The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. With your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I want to get your input today, in particular, if you are a woman who had an abortion in the past, or if you're a man who paid for or participated in an abortion, I'd love to hear from you today, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. This is Michael Brown. Welcome to the line of fire, your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity. We are going to play clips from Saturday Night Live this past Saturday. It's gotten a lot of attention. The video that we're going to play for you has been viewed well over 4 million times online. And then who knows how many other times it was viewed on TV and in other formats. I want to get your response to this. If, again, you participated in abortion, either you're a mother who aborted her baby or You are a father who paid for or participated in the abortion of your baby. 866-34-TRUTH. I want to take you through this skit, which was on Saturday Night Live. Now, this doesn't make me holy or special, but I've never watched Saturday Night Live in my life. To my memory, I've never seen Saturday Night Live live. Watch the show on TV. Now, I've seen clips, many, many clips, and read about the skits for years and years and years. Of course, Saturday Night Live has been famous or infamous, depending on your point of view. But a friend sent this to me. I was reading about it, then a friend sent it to me. So I I watched the entire clip. And what we're hearing, the people are praising this, an MVP performance, and Saturday Night Live, the whole show, instant classic. And this is helping many women who have had abortions now to— to speak honestly and openly, I find the whole thing utterly appalling, utterly distasteful, and anything but funny. So here and there, I'm going to give you a description of what's happening on the video or what happened on the video, but you'll all be listening to this. This is from Saturday Night Live. We'll we'll play a few clips. It's three minutes and change. Break it up. And then I want to get your feedback. I want to give you my thoughts on this as well, 866-34-TRUTH. Clip number one. The Supreme Court heard arguments this week in Women's Whole Health v. Texas about the controversial Texas law that essentially bans all abortions after just six weeks. Here to cheer us up, well, this can't be right, Goober the Clown, who had an abortion when she was 23. (laughs) Hey, 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 I'm Goober the Clown. So, Goober, you you had an abortion when you were 23? Slow down. I'm a clown. Let's clown around. Hey, smell this flower. You're not going to squirt me, are you? Oh, I would never. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I had an abortion the day before my 23rd birthday. Okay. It, it seems like you do want to talk about your abortion. Well, actually, I really don't. But people keep bringing it up, so I got to keep talking about freaking abortion. But it's a rough subject, so we're going to do fun clown stuff to make it more palatable. Whee! All right, so to start off, she's here to, quote, cheer us up, right? They say she had an abortion when she was 23, and the crowd laughs at that. 
And then as she's talking about it, her, her flower on her lapel squirts the host. And then as she says, yeah, it's a rough subject, but we're going to make it more palatable. You know, here she is in a clown suit clowning around about it. And as she's saying that and saying, wee, the, the, uh, her bow tie is spinning rapidly. You know, the clown bow tie is, is spinning. Okay, let's continue. It gets, well, you decide. Let's keep listening. And I wish I didn't have to do this because the abortion I had at 23 is my personal clown business. But that's all some people in this country want to discuss all the time. Even though clown abortion was legalized in Clown v. Wade in 1973. Here. Can you stop saying clown abortion? What is this? It's a worm. I don't know. Hey, hey, did you know one in three clowns will have a clown abortion in their lifetime? You don't because they don't tell you. They don't even know how to talk to other clowns about it. Because when they do talk about it, if you were a clown who wasn't the victim of something sad like clown says, they think your clown abortion wasn't a righteous clown abortion. I mean, what the is that? <laughs> I don't think you can say that word on the show. What, abortion? Well, I guess kind of. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Colin. We're having fun. Just laugh. Hey, pull my finger. Uh, no. Laugh. I need it. I need you to laugh so hard. Like the way I laugh when the doctor asked if I got pregnant on the way over to the clinic because I wasn't very far along. And that is one of my favorite jokes to this day. All right. So whatever the intent of this is, friends, this is supposed to free women up to talk about painful subjects. I, I cannot personally imagine a less taste or you find even more untasteful ways to do it, but just as being done, I, I can't imagine a, a less tasteful way, a, a less uh, ugly. I, I mean, it is so untasteful. I should say a less untasteful way. It is, it is so ugly and laugh and, and there's no humor in what's being said. And, and, you know, so women are clowns, so clown V Wade and clown abortions. And they, they keep talking about it. They keep talking about it. As I can tell, folks on the Shout Your Abortion side, folks on the Planned Parenthood side have been talking about abortion and the right to abortion day and night, year in, year out. And when pro-life women, so pro-life women who had abortions in the past don't know how to address this? All right, one, one more clip. Let's listen. I love that joke. It's such a good joke. Not like a funny ha-ha joke, but like a funny you're not an awful person and your life isn't over now joke. The best kind. A honka honka. Good horn. Good horn. Killer horn. I'm not a clown. And in the waiting room, they had a little guest book where all the clowns could write their clown abortion story for the next clown to read it so she wouldn't feel so alone. A wooga. And then years later, you'll be at a dinner with a big group of clowns. One clown will go out on a limb and say she's had an abortion. And then like eight other clowns at the table say they've had an abortion too because that's how common it is. And then everyone's excited and relieved to be talking about it. Then it's like, wow, we kept this secret for so long despite being so grateful it happened. Hug off. So, um, wait, are, are clowns really women? Excuse me? Wow, okay, Colin Joes thinks women are clowns. Cool. That's not what I said. Let me do some helium. Okay, Colin, here's my truth. I know I wouldn't be a clown on TV here today if it weren't for the abortion I had the day before my 23rd birthday. Clowns have been helping each other end their pregnancy since the caves. It's going to happen, so it ought to be safe, legal, and accessible. We will not go back to the alley. I mean, the last thing anyone wants is a bunch of dead clowns in a dark alley. How about a bunch of dead babies in a garbage bin? How about that? 
How about a bunch of baby parts of dead babies in the products of conception containers in the back of a Planned Parenthood clinic? How about that? All right, ladies, mothers, those who had abortions, how does that skit strike you? Does it help? Would that help you talk about abortion? And to me, it is so utterly degrading. It is degrading to the memory of the baby. It is something to be tossed away so you can have your successful, quote, clown career. Uh, to me, the very thing we need to do is, is have safe places for women to talk about pain they've endured or guilt they've endured or pain they still carry. To have safe spaces where they can, they can talk to others and say, hey, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And to express regret or second thoughts and things like that. You don't do it by putting on a clown suit. Oh, there's much more to say. And there's more to hear about her own background. This didn't come up in the show, but others have been talking about it online. So I, I want to get to that. I want to talk about that. But right now, let's, let's hear from you. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, an anonymous caller from Missouri. Welcome to the line of fire. Thanks for calling. Um, I just, I wanted to say that I had abortion in 1979. I was 21, and the worst part about it was that I had gone forward and joined, you know, to be baptized, and I joined the church um, about five or six years earlier, but I had a, a life of a lot of upheaval anyway, and then after I had the abortion, I just, um, I, I left church for about 15 years, and mm. I finally came back to church, and you never get over it. I mean, I know the Lord's forgiven me, but I don't know how I could have done it when I said I was a Christian. <laughs> I believed I was safe, but I, I don't know. And, and this was this was in 1979? Yes. And, and it brings you to tears to this day, even though you know you've been forgiven? Not always. Mm. But, well, um, do you believe, talk- yeah, do you believe that Jesus died for the sin of abortion like all other oh. sins? Oh, yes. And yes, look, if you, if you sinned knowingly in the light or if you sinned in ignorance in the dark, either way, when you come in true repentance, he does forgive and, and he wants you to know that forgiveness Yeah, I know it. Just things trigger it, and I can start crying sometimes. Yeah, over it again. Well, can I tell you this? I can't. I, I literally cannot tell you how many calls I've received from mothers just like you with abortions decades in the past, and the moment they begin to talk about it, they break down crying just like you. I, I mean, friends, everyone listening, watching. Please hear this message. It, it's not the way it's cranked up to be, especially if you know the Lord. The, the consequences are, are severe. When, when you hear that skit, how does it make you feel, the clowning around about it? Oh, it's, oh, it's like your fingernails going down the chalkboard or something. It's, oh, I think about the Lord. It's terrible. Mm. Well, listen, may, may the Lord use your story, even today, to help a listener who's considering abortion, who's, who's going through their own set of upheaval and crisis, and, and they really, they don't know a way out. 
and it seems to them to be the the best solution as 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 painful as it may be may they hear the cry of of a woman now decades later over 40 years later still things trigger the pain may those who've had abortions really come to know forgiveness in the Lord. If you've never repented of it and confessed it as sin to God, please do from the heart, feel the weight of it, and then let him cleanse you and, and, and wash you afresh so that you can, you can live and minister life to others out of the pain that you've experienced. 866-348-7884 is the number to call. Hey, thank you so much for calling and opening your heart to us, dear sister. We'll be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us today on the line of fire. For many months and years to come, we can feel quite sure that the subject of abortion will be front and center here in America with major bills being passed, with major Supreme Court decisions being made, with pushback that is going to continue intensely in the days and months and years ahead. And as we pray for revival and awakening and we pray for the changing of hearts, remember, we always want to see hearts change and with that laws change as opposed to only laws change. Hearts change, laws change. You can see greater cultural change. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Again, if you watched or heard the skit from Saturday Night Live, if you saw it on TV, if you just heard it now on the broadcast, and you've had an abortion, let us know your feelings. Let us know how you would react as someone, especially a woman, the apparent target audience from what we're reading that this, again, it's it's in the skit, but now others are saying, yes, yes, this is going to help women not feel bad about what they did, open up conversations Let me ask you one other question. I'd love to hear from you in terms of your own feedback, your own experience. And I know it can be difficult to call in. Feel free to call completely anonymously, not even mentioning where you live if that's important to you. But the fact that people would feel that level of shame and pain that over 40 years after an abortion, they still don't want to use their name on the air, that's saying something. So here's another question. Again, for those who in one way or another were involved in abortion yourself, either as the mother or the father. What could the church do better to minister to women who've had abortion? Is it a matter of talking about this more? I mean, we're going to talk about pro-life issues for sure and saving the lives of babies, as we should. And many of the key pro-life leaders are themselves women, and some of them had abortions in their past, so they really can speak to these things. Many others are mothers who have not had abortions. Some are even single women standing for the lives of the unborn. But first and foremost, we need to hear from the women, obviously, as those who are most affected. But what could we do even better to minister? Is, is it to recognize how many women are in our midst who are hurting? How many are secretly covering up guilt or shame? What could we do better to minister life, to minister wholeness? 
All right. As you think about that and call in, let me move over to something else in the background to this Saturday Night Live skit. And when I see someone like Cicely Strong doing this, I don't know her at all. I haven't followed her career. don't know anything about her as a comedian. don't know her larger life ethics. Zero. All I know is these, these few minutes of seeing her on TV and this about her background. So, so check this out. This is what makes things more painful. And Saturday, the SNL and Review Experience uh, tweeted this out September 4th of this year. At the Planned Parenthood headquarters in Chicago, Cecily Strong was the receptionist who opened the hate mail, opened the office, answered the phone. Dr. George Tiller was fatally shot in the head by anti-abortion extremist Scott Roeder while she worked there at Planned Parenthood. Okay, so she would experience the very worst, the very ugliest, the most violent, hateful side of those who oppose abortion. If someone kills an abortion doctor, they cannot call themselves pro-life because they murdered in the name of life. As grievous as these acts were, you don't just decide to take this person's life. That is a violation of pro-life. That's why you have so many millions of Americans genuinely concerned about the life of the unborn and strongly feeling a pro-life conviction, and yet they are not going out killing abortion doctors. It's horrific when it happens. It is, it is not the way our system works. However, it remains exceedingly, exceedingly rare. Why? Because we are pro-life people. We are pro-life followers of Jesus. So we don't take a life in the name of being pro-life in terms of murdering someone. She's also opening the hate mail, according to this account. So let's take it for exactly what it says. That means she's getting the most vile, hateful, ugly letters attacking her, attacking Planned Parenthood, attacking everything they do. And it's often Christians or people writing as Christians or even quoting scripture and damning them to hell and expressing utter hatred. Now, we should have a hatred for the act of abortion. We should have a hatred for the sin of abortion. We should have a a hatred for the destruction of lives and the shedding of innocent blood and and the negative impact that this ultimately has on all involved, including abortion clinic workers and doctors, they may not think there's any negative impact, but there is. There must be on their lives as they're doing this. We hate all that and stand opposed to it while still wanting to see those involved come to faith, come to the Lord, be set free. And, and I remember many years ago, a friend of ours, she was a PhD in biology. She was probably in her 60s then, looked very much like Barbara Bush, all right, if you remember Barbara Bush, the mother of George W. Bush, wife of George H.W. Bush, a gray-haired lady and actively involved in pro-life. And she was, could it be Buffalo, New York? I don't remember for sure, but I think it was Buffalo, New York. She was involved at a pro-life event, and they were there, part of Operation Rescue, camping out in front of the abortion clinic. And then you all get arrested. You know, you get carried into the, 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 uh, into the police bus. You're arrested. You're booked at the precinct. And then you pretty much go home. The, the one time I was involved with it with our two daughters, that's what, that's what took place. But, but you're making a statement. You are sending a message. And you yourself are getting stirred and broken over the sin of abortion. So she was there. She was on the bus. 
and uh, arrest it with all these other pro-life women. And a- another woman who was protesting was a pro-abortion, quote, pro-choice protester. And she was somehow rounded up in the crowd and was arrested and put on the bus. And she was shaking like a leaf, according to her friend. She was shaking like a leaf. So this is late 80s, early 90s when this took place because she thinks the worst of the pro-life movement. She has believed every negative thing that's been said. She has believed every negative stereotype and caricature. And she thinks that this is how the people are. This is, and so she's on this bus with all these women and she's petrified. Well, she ends up coming to faith by the end of the day because they just ministered the love of God to her. And they told her the truth about Jesus. And she got to know who they really were and heard the message and came to faith. So if, if we are going to play into the negative stereotypes, we make God look bad, we drive people away, we only exacerbate the problem, we can guarantee that they will be all the more an advocate against us, as opposed to what Paul says in Romans 12, that we overcome evil with good, that we demonstrate the love of God, the compassion of the Messiah, and God's grace, and the offer of forgiveness, while at the same time standing up for the life of the unborn. You say, what, so you're going to leave women with a back alley abortions? See, that's the thing. There are always options other than abortion. And virtually every law on the books, pro-life law, if the mother's life was literally threatened, in other words, if that baby was not aborted at that moment that the mother would die, in virtually every pro-life law, there's going to be a clause to save the life of the mother. That, that the surgical procedure, which is going to now terminate the baby, can be done. And there are agonizing decisions where the mother and father say that they want to have the child even if the mother dies because the child's viable and, and these agonizing, painful decisions. But in, in every other case, there is a choice to be made. As painful as that choice is, there is a choice. There is an option. There, for example, in Texas with the heartbeat bill, There is funding available in Texas to help a woman have her baby and and in the initial stages, raise her baby. Here in in North Carolina, where I live, Love Love Life, which was originally Love Life Charlotte, but has expanded across the state and now to other states, they actively work with other organizations and families and individuals. So if you determine to have your baby, there are folks that will come around you and help and, and do the baby shower with you and help get things established if their financial needs to, to help meet them so you can get started and, and not be behind the eight ball. And, and then legally, in every state, you can, you can actually go to a fire department, a hospital, literally with a newborn child say, I can't keep this child, and the child is given up for adoption. And then there are, there are waiting lists. If you know early on, okay, I, I can't keep this child. I don't want to keep this child. This child was conceived in some terrible circumstance. Then, then you can say, okay, I want to give this baby up for, for adoption. And there are lists of people, long lines, couples waiting to adopt babies, newborn, to be raised right, almost literally out of the womb, to be raised and cared for by these loving and caring couples. So there's always an alternative. There's always another way. You said it's easy for you to say as a man, 
Don't listen to me. Listen to all the women saying the same thing. Listen to the women who gave their children up for adoption. Listen to the parents who adopted the babies joyfully as a gift from God with great prayer for the mother. Listen to the women who've had abortions. Listen to those who are on the front lines of pro-life. Forget me as a man, but listen to them. And then first and foremost, listen to God. What does he have to say about this? How does he feel? 866-348-7884. We come back. We're going to go to your calls. And then I want to read some quotes of, of people praising this Goober the Clown skit. Why? Uh, on what basis? Again, to me, it's as ugly and distasteful as can be imagined. I'll we'll be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on the Line of Fire. To everyone that was watching on Facebook, you've now connected with us a different way, and you can't watch today's broadcast. It is not because Facebook banned us because we are talking about abortion. Rather, we played three clips from Saturday Night Live, three minutes and change total, a skit goober the clown talking about abortion yeah as as sick as it sounds and there's a copyright claim that blocked it right now it appears we're still running on youtube we'll see what happens it's very common to play clips parts of clips etc anyway it got flagged and stopped it's not because of the subject of abortion as far as we know and from what was posted but rather nbc just blocked it because of copyrighted content In either case, we continue talking about the subject of abortion, 866-348-7884. Let me put out a new question for those just tuning in. If you had an abortion and you are now a follower of Jesus, how did you come to grips with it and receive forgiveness? How did you come to a place where even though if the subject comes up, it still may pain you? And it still may touch something deep inside of you. But how did you come to a place of knowing that you were forgiven and that you could be in fellowship with God without that hanging over your head? Perhaps your story could help others who are struggling. Perhaps your own testimony could help someone that can't seem to get over the guilt because they're thinking, look, it's, it's a life that was taken, a life that should have been here. I have to live with that for the rest of my life. How did you receive forgiveness while not minimizing the gravity of the situation. And again, what can the church do better as we stand up for life, as we are pro-life believers, as we seek to be holistically pro-life from inside the womb to outside the womb, to the caring for the baby in the womb and the needy and the hurting outside the womb, as we seek to do that, how could we do it in an even better way? How could we change even more hearts How could we help people to see that God's ways are best and that God's ways are ways of life? 866-34-TRUTH. So look at some of the positive responses to this clown about clown around abortion skit. Uh, This is Sean McCarthy. 
his article on The Decider, SNL recap, Cecily Strong's MVP performance tops an instant classic episode. So this is an MVP performance. Again, one of the, the most unfunny, poorly done things I can remember seeing having anything to do with abortion is called an MVP performance. But why? For, for what reason? So uh, Brian Stelter, CNN, famously leftist news commentator, Brian Stelter said this, take three minutes and watch the video if you haven't seen it yet. On Twitter, it has already racked up more than 2.5 million views. Remember, this is from Saturday night, and as we're speaking live now, it's Tuesday. According to the site's metrics, as of this writing, as that was last night, it's over 4 million views. Don't know what it's up to even now, probably. Even, in fact, let's just, let me just see what it's up to now as far as views. Uh, okay. Yeah, 4.8 million, almost 5 million views. Looking at some other headlines, uh, this is on The Wrap. Cecily Strong wins praise for pro-abortion rights SNL segment, Holy Expletive and Bravo Woman. Activist Renee Bracey Sherman writes, this is wonderful, joyful, and powerful. Are you serious? Wonderful, joyful, and powerful? There's nothing wonderful, joyful, or powerful about abortion, or about clowning around about it to help free up other women. to t- If you want to free up other women to talk about the pain, then do it. Then talk about the pain honestly. Talk about how you felt. Talk about how society made you feel. Talk about how the church made you feel. Talk about that. You say, well, you don't understand this has been effective. It appears to have been effective, and I'm saying it's wrong. Just because something's effective doesn't make it right. And which way are the conversations going to go? Here, uh, an, another headline. This is on uh, Today. Cecily Strong's clown abortion SNL sketch prompts women to share their stories. People who've had abortions offered support, solidarity, and thanks for Cecily Strong's controversial clown abortion sketch. Now, now here's, here's what I wrote at the end of my article, which you can read on AskDrBrown.org. I'm going to say this and then go to the phones. Uh, Alyssa Milano has recently shared that she's, she's very, very strong pro-abortion advocate, that she had feelings of guilt after having two abortions in her 20s. She believed her two miscarriages were a result of her abortions, and, and she later feared that her children might be, quote, hurt for karmic reasons. She said, I definitely had this moment of, well, I'm being punished basically for abortions in my 20s. And she also explained that she had fears that something bad might happen to her children, Milo and Elizabeth, Due to her decision to have two children killed in utero. This is the way someone else is describing it. She didn't say killed. Quote, I always felt like, what if something happens to these two little beings that I love so much? And is there a world in which they're taken away from me for whatever karmic resolution needed to happen? So this is some of the guilt that she experienced. So as I end my article, I say this. All of this underscores the need to sit down face to face and have honest, compassionate discussions with those on the, quote, pro-choice side as well as to provide safe spaces for the many women grieving over past abortions, enabling them to open up their hearts. In stark contrast, the last thing we need is someone called Goober the Clown to clown around about abortion. If there's any subject on the planet that does not comport with a ridiculous clown skit, it's the subject of abortion. 
If you don't believe me, then listen to the cry of the blood of the tens of millions of unborn babies who were terminated in their mother's wombs. Listen to the silent cry of the millions of women who made that faithful, faithful choice and are hurting inside to this day. And to Cecily Strong, I, I urge you to put away the clown suit if you want to talk about abortion. If your heart still needs healing, I'm not your judge, only you know, clowning around will not bring the cure. All right, with that, we go back to the phones, starting with an anonymous caller in North Carolina. Thanks so much for calling the line of fire. Hello? Hey there, Dr. Brown. Thank yeah. you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to say two things. And first, to the woman that called earlier that was crying and very upset, um, I had an abortion when I was 19. And um, it took until really a, a few years ago, and I'm in my 60s, to um, come to terms with that. Um, a mm. local pregnancy center. I'm sorry, I'm nervous, so my voice is shaking. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead, um, go ahead. But um, a local pregnancy center that counsels women that are thinking about having an abortion offered a Bible study that, you know, would walk you through hopefully a healing process, and it was wonderful. And so to that woman, I, you know, I really just want to say to her, and I hope she's still listening, to find one of those pregnancy centers and get involved in with whatever they're doing. And hopefully there is a study or a class that she can go through to find her healing because mm -hmm. I knew God forgave me a long time ago, but... I, you know, struggle with forgiving myself. Um, and the second thing, you asked what churches could do. The yes. church that I attend supports pregnancy centers, and it's out there, but I feel like it could be out there more where it's talked about uh, during the service, you know, for to speak to the young women there that, could possibly be pregnant and, you know, faced with what to do and to encourage them to go and get counseling at one of these centers. But um, it's, and the thing on SNL, that was, it's really heartbreaking. And even before I found my healing, um, which, you know, there's a piece that's still there because my child is in heaven and and that's another thing I want to say to that woman. Her child is in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge consolation. But um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> forgot where I was going with that. Well, let, let me but, let me just uh, ask this then to be clear. So you were 19 okay. when you had your abortion. How many years later was it that you went through the Bible study and, and received healing in your heart? Oh, you know, three years ago. Oh, okay. So from 19 yes. into your 50s or early 60s? 60s. Okay. Yeah. And you, yeah. so you carried this uh, somehow in the back of your heart all these years? Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yes. And, oh, my. And, and do, I, do, you yeah. think, do you think with many women who are, they say they're pro-abortion and shout your abortion, do you think that, that it's masking pain in their own lives? 
Absolutely. And, I mean, it's a sad state of affairs that this girl, I guess, worked at Planned Parenthood. I don't, you know, maybe she had an abortion. I don't know. But Yeah, yeah she did. Um, the, 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 <clears throat> yeah, she, she, she did one day before she turned 23 and then worked at a Planned Parenthood and opened what would be hate mail, etc. So, but, yeah. but, and then on the practical level then, what you're saying is, okay, the church supports a pregnancy life center, which is great because many churches don't even know if there is a pregnancy life center in their, in their city or in their community. So yeah. they, they support it, but it would be good periodically every month, every few months to say, hey, if you're here and you've had an abortion uh, or if you're here and you're contemplating abortion, or maybe you're a father and you've gotten a girl pregnant out of wedlock and you're talking to her about abortion. Hey, we want to encourage you to go to this pregnancy life center. In other words, bring it up more often because otherwise it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Right, yeah. And it, and it, uh, and it fosters secrecy. Yeah. And, um, even though I didn't say my name or anything. No, 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 but that's, that's but, fine, though. Um, that, that, that's fine. Again, it's one thing to be sitting down with friends in a church setting. It's another thing to be on, on a national radio show and giving your name. So that, that's perfectly fine not to. But, you know, the, the thing again is, yes, let's bring up the discussion, but not through a clown suit and clowning around about it because ultimately you trivialize it. And ultimately you, you, yeah, so maybe you're fighting the pain. Well, then say I'm fighting pain instead of putting on a clown suit. So again, and here we've heard from a couple of women so far who had abortions and either like fingernails scratching on the chalkboard or heartbreaking. Those are the words they describe to give their reaction to the SNL skit. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. And we had a couple of other ladies on hold that I was ready to get to, and I guess you had to drop out. If, if you're still available, give us a call. Maybe you thought the show was over or something, 866-348-7884. I'd love to hear from more of you if possible. I've learned a lot doing Daily Talk Radio now for more than 13 years, five days a week, sometimes two hours a day, at least one hour a day, Every so often broadcasts are pre-recorded because of travel schedule or being overseas, ministering, something like that. But otherwise, we do our best to be live every single day. One reason is we can comment on what's happening in the world around us in real time. Another reason is that we can hear back from you. We can get your feedback. We can get your response. We can have some give and take. And then, of course, another reason is that you can just call in with your questions on all different kinds of subjects. So... By choice, we are on live radio, but I want you to know that it has enriched my own life, that your calls and your perspectives have expanded some of my understanding or deepened some of my understanding or challenged some of my understanding. So, for example, when it comes to the subject of abortion, did I already know that many women who've had abortions and are believers still deal with pain 
and tinges of guilt over the years. Yes, I knew that. I've understood that first from hearing it over the years, secondly, reading about things, thirdly, common sense would say the gravity of of this, especially if, if you come to the Lord afterwards and you think about what you did. However, what was a revelation to me was how many women, and men as well, but we've mainly heard from women, decades after the abortion, and some of them saved for decades, but decades after, 30, 40 years after the abortion, get on the air and start to cry, break down weeping, because it remains such a raw subject to them. Uh, I, I've, I was telling a colleague who brought a really strong message about abortion with maybe 8,000 people in the building. So crowd that large, you've got a lot of women and certainly a good number of them have had an abortion in their past. And this colleague brought a very, very strong, powerful, convicting word in the midst of his message about the sin of abortion, but did not then immediately reach out to the women that were there and men, but it can be a higher percentage of, of women, reach out to the women that were there, to the men who were involved in abortions in the past, who decided to have abortions. And the moment you hear that, that strong preaching, that strong pro-life message, it triggers that pain again. And I said, hey, what you said was great, but next time be sure to minister to the, to the women that are hurting and then to offer grace and forgiveness to those who've had abortions and have never received forgiveness. So sometimes we can forget that. Look, in the same way, I've, I've had black friends of mine say to me, Mike, there's not a, a racist bone in your body, but there's a lot you don't know. Well, that's the case for all of us in many areas of life. Start to travel around the world. Here, maybe you're part of one particular denomination and you spent your whole Christian life in that denomination in your state. Go to another state, to a church of that same denomination, and you'll probably be surprised. Like, oh, I didn't know they did things like this in our denomination. Then go to another country with that same denomination. You're like, what? This is like completely different. It's a Christian, but I've never seen it. Ah, and, and is one way right or the other way wrong? Some of it's cultural. Travel overseas and, and, and find out what culture shock really is. Talk to people who went on the mission field all full of zeal and passion only about six months or a year or two to, to suddenly think, what in the world am I doing in this foreign culture with my family? And nothing makes any sense. And the people do things completely wrongly. And they, you, ah, culture shock. So we all have a lot to learn. I don't mean that I've changed any of my fundamental beliefs. There, there is not a biblical conviction a deep biblical conviction that I had before I started doing live radio 13 years ago that's any different today. My, my basic biblical convictions, my basic biblical beliefs remain exactly the same. But in so many other areas, my understanding has expanded. And then with that, you get deeper compassion, you get deeper care, you get deeper concern. So that's why... I can talk about these things. I can, I can speak as, as a scriptural voice, as, as a teacher in the body, as a leader in the body. I can, I can speak and give perspective. But then there's the perspective. Look, I can bring perspective as a Jewish believer 
that someone else can't because they're not a Jewish believer. In the same way, someone can bring perspective as a Gentile believer that's different than what I can bring, or as a man versus a woman, or a woman versus a man. But it's really important, I want to say it again, that we address the pain of abortion, the guilt of abortion, the shame of abortion, whenever we talk about pro-life issues. Now, for those that never even talk about pro-life issues, I would urge you to get closer to God's heart and his word and see what burden he wants to share with you concerning the taking of innocent lives and the shedding of innocent blood. But all that, all that being said, to the extent that when we talk about the Texas heartbeat bill or the Dobbs case that's going to be coming up in Mississippi that the Supreme Court will be hearing, or the uh, potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, when we talk about these things, or if you address the SNL skit as the clown skit, as, as I did, let us be sensitive and let us recognize that there are likely women that are listening that are in pain. And that when you talk about abortion or the sin of abortion or the shedding of innocent lives or the terminating the life in the womb, that it, it's a, a knife pierces their soul again. Now, are there some that have had multiple abortions as just a form of birth control? You do what you do. You're, you're not careful with your sexual decisions. You do what you do. Nah, no one has a baby. It's not going to work. Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't believe it. And just have an abortion. There are some like that. You know, there are countries, some of my friends working in Ukraine said it's very common to, to meet people in Russia. That women have had five, six abortions. It's just, yeah, just do it. It's birth control. It's, it's, it's the way you do it. Maybe they've hardened their heart to a certain point. Maybe they're at the point where they don't really think about it. It's just a little medical procedure, right? But I can assure you, if they really come to know the Lord, then something's going to come up in their heart and they're going to need ministry. If they really come into an intimate relationship with the Lord, they're going to need ministry. So pastors, leaders, talk to women in your congregation who've had abortions. If you haven't done that, uh, sit down with your, with, with your wife and, and, and together have these discussions with them and, and, and find out more about how we could more effectively minister to the women and give safe spaces where they can sit and share their story. And others who've been through it can minister grace and forgiveness to them. And then many of these women may feel called to be pro-life champions. They may feel called to, to get involved with pregnancy life centers. They may feel called to be a presence in front of an abortion clinic, sharing the gospel, sharing the love of God. They may feel that to share their stories on social media. They may feel to, to impact their, their teenage daughters with the truths of their own life and experience. Or they may just say, hey, God forgave me for that. And, and I still grieve over the loss, but I know he forgave me. And, and you go on with life and just minister life to others. But remember, what Satan means for evil, God can turn for good. What, what Satan means to destroy us and, and, and to discourage us and to wipe us out, if we humble ourselves, then God can turn that for good. You know, it, it, it's become a regular habit for me, especially when I'm on the road ministering. But any day when I'm going to have an especially intense schedule or where I'm going to have to alter my sleep schedule and things like that and, and, and 
get up early to do particular things to minister or stay up a certain way or do a broadcast in the middle of the night, whatever it is, or especially flying overseas and now you've got jet lag and you've got the time clock is turned completely upside down and on and on, and you've got to minister three times a day, every day, starting immediately when you get off the plane. My, my mantra, the three words that I say I said it this morning when I woke up, even though today was not an intense, especially intense ministry day, but just flying back and then last night, starting a fresh day. The words that came out of my mouth the moment I woke up were strength out of weakness, strength out of weakness. It's become a lifestyle prayer for me. As much as I feel strong, I feel strong in body. I feel strong in mind. I feel strong in heart. I feel strong in spirit. I feel energized by God to run my race and, and, and feel just like a kid with excitement and anticipation about what's ahead. At the same time, I realize my human limitations and God's no limitations, God's infinite possibilities. And therefore, every day, that's my heart, that's my cry, especially in times of intense ministry. Lord, strength out of weakness. I encourage you to have that same mentality out of the weakness of your own life, out of the brokenness, out of the pain, out of the trial, out of the challenge, out of the difficulty, strength, out of weakness. And may God redeem Cecily Strong. May he bring her to himself and reveal his great love. May she get on the radio one day and talk about, I can't believe I ever did that Goober the Clown skit. Now I really know forgiveness and redemption. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.